welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning, friends. Hope pray you're well. Let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Father, today as we continue uh, through 2021, Lord, we're going to begin a new series called uh, Called. And I just ask that you continue to be with us. Help us, Lord, to find our calling where you want us to go and to be able to share the good news. In Jesus' name, amen. So last month, we focused on the idea of restoration. We dove into the concepts of salvation, of being reborn, redemption, and finally, uh, realign our lives with Christ. How can we do so? Through, through prayer and study. Um, and now this month, we move forward uh, and continue to focus on discipleship. Now that we've chosen to faithfully follow God personally, what does that mean outwardly? How do we reach out to others? Do I keep my faith to myself or does God have a bigger purpose for my life? So the month of February, we're going to go on a journey to discover what Jesus that Jesus has called us to ministry. Last week, Bill talked about Matthew 28, where Jesus gives the apostles a mission and a vision to teach, preach, baptize, and make disciples. But before we even get to that end of Matthew, we should probably go back even further to the beginning, when Jesus actually calls the disciples. Now, in Matthew 4, uh, verses 18 through 22, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Jesus says, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. So the first thing that we find is that Jesus extends an invitation to come follow him. Now Jesus and the disciples, they begin a multi-year journey that where the disciples will follow Jesus. They will travel, they will eat together, they will share the same sleeping space. And all the while, Jesus is teaching, he's mentoring the disciples. Imagine being able to be so close to Jesus for several years and some of the things that Jesus said, even then did not always, uh, they didn't always understand right away. Some of this Jesus sayings finally clicked in their minds uh, later as we find in the book of Acts. Now, who were the disciples? Well, we already know about Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, but there was also Philip and Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel. There was also Thomas and and Matthew, also known as Levi in some of the other Gospels. He was a tax collector. There was James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, also known as the other Judas. And then there was also Simon, the other Simon, who was a Canaanite or a a zealot. And then finally, there's Judas Iscariot, who we find betrays Jesus. Now, the majority of these guys were fishermen. As I indicated earlier, Matthew was a tax collector and Simon also known as a zealot. So some of the disciples, we don't know exactly what their profession was, but the majority of them were probably fishermen. How poetic that Jesus 
uses the term to be uh, to call uh, to say, "Hey, I will make you fishers of men." When you look at this story, though, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, especially, they're essentially walking away from their livelihood, and in some cases, the family business. One of the questions I have is, how did Zebedee, Zebedee feel when his sons? James and John just leave. Being a fisherman was not exactly a great job. It was a lot of hard work. There wasn't much prestige in being a fisherman. I also wonder, uh, what caused them to walk away and just follow this man, Jesus? Did Jesus have some great charisma about him? Or maybe they had already heard about him. I don't know. But regardless, there was something about Jesus that persuaded them to walk away and give up a life I don't know if it would be comfort, but maybe more security, I should say. And so Jesus takes time. He invests in the disciples. So throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is continually teaching them uh, and, and and helping them to learn and to grow, preparing them for the work that would happen after he would leave earth. Now, the disciples had to be willing to learn. And at times they were humbled. Remember when Peter walked on water but quickly started to sink when he lost faith? There's a lesson in humility right there. Now, following Jesus also requires that we be humble and teachable. To do so means that we have to be in communication with God daily, to die to self, to be in the word as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and and to be able to pray. There's this... uh uh, Brent Williams tells of a story. There's actually two parts to it. So the first part is, let's just start with story one. There's Adam, an orphan from a foster home, who's fishing by himself on the end of the pier. And full of curiosity, like most 10-year-olds, he leans over the edge to look at an insect crawling next to him, and he falls into the water. And unable to swim, he frantically, he splashes and he screams, and he tries to paddle to, to swim to the pier. And just as he goes under and bobs to the surface again, a strong arm reaches down. He grabs him up and sets him on the pier. And he's soaked to the skin and close to tears, but without the attitude that he, uh, that he displayed that allowed him to risk hanging over the edge. His rescuer scolds him about being so careless. And then he turns and then he walks off. Have you ever experienced someone to try to firmly and strongly tell you about God, but the demeanor and tone in which they share God is one of maybe right of anger or of sternness or maybe trying to guilt you? Quite frankly, I'm not sure if I would be interested in that picture of God. What's missing in this picture? What if we tried to retell it in a, in a slightly different variation? So how about this? Adam. An orphan from a foster home is fishing by himself on the end of a pier. And full of curiosity, like most 10-year-olds, he leans over the edge to look at the insects crawling next to him. And he falls into the water. And unable to swim, he frantically splashes, he screams, trying to paddle to the pier. And just as he goes under and bobs to the surface, again, a strong arm reaches down. He grabs him up and sets him on a pier. He's soaked to the skin and close to tears but without the cocky attitude that allowed him to risk hanging over the edge. Sounds like the same story, right? But how about this ending? This time, the rescuer firmly but gently pats him on the back, burping out the water he has swallowed. 
and carried him to the showers to wash away the salt water and dry some off. Then he drives him to the mall, buys some new clothes, and takes him home, introducing him to his father and family. They feed him a hot meal and invite him to live with them. This wonderful, loving provider mentors the newly adopted boy in the family's beliefs and makes him one of his heirs. And he's delighted as the boy participates in the activities of his new family. Adam finally has a family. He has a home, a father and brothers, a mother who loves him. And he's secure in his new father's love. We all want family. We all desire to be part of a community. God desires that we go out to bring the good news that others may have this same experience to find love. Not everyone is blessed with a great father or a great mother. But yet God can provide for so much. And not not only that, to be able to grow and to learn, just like Jesus uh, mentored the disciples and spent time with them. So imagine now being one of the first disciples. God's love should stir within us a desire to grow and to be like Jesus, to emulate the same love and compassion that Jesus expressed while here on earth. Now, Jesus extends an invitation to participate in sharing the gospel. The disciples were the first to be called and eventually would shoulder the responsibility in establishing and leading the church. Likewise, Jesus calls us to help in the ministry of sharing the good news with others. Now, this is an invitation. You have the opportunity to refuse. In fact, there are many who refuse to listen to God. You know, when I think back uh, through scripture, Israel time and time again promised to follow God's commandments and eventually, however, get a little slippery and, and eventually head in the wrong direction. I think of Jonah himself, who was literally told by God to go to Nineveh. But he goes in the opposite direction. As many of us know his story, eventually he's uh, he's uh, swallowed by a big fish. And eventually, when he's spat out, he heads to Nineveh and completes the mission that God has told him to do to change their ways. I think of also King Saul, Solomon, the Jewish leadership who actually talked with Jesus. I also think of the rich young ruler. But when you look at what happens in their lives were difficult and more complicated. They tended to focus on themselves. They chose to focus on their own needs and desires. And I'm not trying to say this to try to guilt you into sharing God with others. But there is a sense of a certain sense of joy and satisfaction that we can experience and find when we do something for others and when we serve God to make a difference in people's lives. And when we talk about sharing the gospel, there's so many ways that we can do so. Versus obviously through spoken word. We tell people, but there's some of us who are gifted perhaps with the talent of of music or of art. Some of us have a gift that can be used to help others. What are you passionate about? Is there something in your life that you care about that, that you want others to know? And is it possible? Can you be able to extend that? that passion and, and use it and may, uh, and for the, 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 the glory to God. And it may not be direct, you know, but maybe you have a love for photography and, and you invite somebody, hey, I would love to be able to teach you how to shoot photography. And by spending time building relationships, that is where true ministry is done. 
True ministry, lifelong ministry is where we build relationships and we, we, we share the good news through word of mouth. Passion. The important thing is that we practice as well and use these talents. Now we'll go more in depth about this in a couple of weeks. But Jesus commissions and he encourages us to go and share good news. You know, when it comes to fishing, sometimes that requires waiting and more waiting. And when it's the right season and the fish are hungry, anything's possible. You could bring bucket loads of fish home. As a child, one of the things that I loved to do was fish with my grandfather. We would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, hop into a red Toyota pickup truck, and drive down to either Redondo Beach or Balboa Pier. And when we would get there, especially in the winter or the spring, it would be freezing cold, and we would just sit there waiting. Truth be told, I would sometimes get really bored a good portion of the time. I hated waiting. I still, I, I don't, I sometimes get impatient on waiting. But when the mackerel were buying, oh, it was game on. And I remember one morning on the Balboa Pier, my rod, my fishing pole started shaking, and I yelled, bingo! Because I was so excited, and apparently I kind of startled those around me, including my dad and my grandfather. And to this, uh, to this, uh, to this day, uh, everyone's in a great while because, you know, the story was told to everybody. Um, I would occasionally get teased about it. I'd never forgot that moment. And I look back on that moment fondly. I have a lot of fond memories of my grandfather helping me to prep the line, the bait and the sinkers and having conversations of what it was like living in the Philippines and then eventually immigrating to the United States. A lot of life lessons were passed on through the medium of fishing. And we talked about God as well. My grandfather worked for uh, the church, not as a pastor, but uh, in the literature ministries and also taught. He had a strong, firm sense of faith. And we were able to do all of this through the act of fishing. Now, to fish requires that you also have your equipment prepped and ready to go. As your so-called Fishing line and reel rod, all is it all prepped and ready to go? The most effective message that you can use to help evangelize is your own personal story of how God has helped you. Have you reflected back on your life and, and your walk with God and seen the points where God has guided you or raised you up from the pit or rock beat where you were rock bottom? Can you remember the good points where God has helped you to overcome some mountain of a, of a of a challenge? Have you consciously thought about it, maybe even written these points down? Throughout Scripture, we find that people went to Jesus and the disciples because of what they had heard and seen from their own family and friends' lives who were changed by Jesus and the disciples. How many times did Jesus heal someone? Ask that person not to say anything, but the story still got out and it followed Jesus. We can confidently go forward with courage because Jesus doesn't expect perfection, just a willingness to serve and to be faithful. It's not about us. We are simply instruments used by God. Jesus calls us to be fishers of men and women. <laughs> the life of the fisherman is one of humility. And likewise, so should be the life of Jesus' followers. Jesus enables and he qualifies the fishermen and the fisherwomen. 
some of us are probably perhaps fearful we need to make sure that we get it right. The reality is that none of us are perfect. And we will probably make mistakes along the way. And we can learn from them. I mean, man, when I first began as a pastor, I made a ton of mistakes. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I've improved since then. Again, God is seeking faithfulness. And it takes a village. It's not just one person. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3 verses 5 through 9 says, well, what? After all is Apollos. And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters it is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. We're called to serve and to do our part, to be instruments. It is God who does the harder job of working on the heart. Don't be fearful. So what can we do? I want to encourage, I want to challenge you, exhort you to pray for an opportunity to serve and share Jesus with someone this week. Whether you help somebody or, or literally get the opportunity to share your testimony with someone, pray for that opportunity to do so this week. Don't wait a month. Don't try to wait a year. I, I think back of, uh, you know, the woman at the well who immediately after Jesus told her her life story, she literally went back to her village and told everybody and they believed her because of her testimony. And they immediately wanted Jesus to spend time with them. And he spent a couple days with them. I think of also the, the Ethiopian that Philip met in, in the book of Acts, whose life was immediately changed. All of these uh, many stories in the books of the Gospels and of Acts where there's this immediate effect that people's lives are changed and they want that same thing for their family right away. Now to close with, there's also another story of uh, a father uh, with his two sons who also were fishing. He had a 12-year-old and a 3-year-old. They were sitting on the dock fishing, and Dad was manning the fishing equipment. The 12-year-old was watching the 3-year-old, and the 3-year-old was watching the water, seeing what was going on. Now, the 12-year-old son got distracted for just a few seconds, but it was enough time for his little brother, who had grown enough confidence, to lean out from the pier, and just like the other story, lost his balance and fell in the water. Now the 12-year-old son screamed for his dad, and the dad jumps in the water trying to find his son. He takes a breath and he dives and he swims under, trying to throw his arms, hoping that he will find his son. No luck. He does it several times because the the water is dark and it's murky, so he can't see well. Finally, he gets closer to the pier's post, and about three feet underwater, his hand grazes his son. He tries to grab him, but he won't let go of the post. He finds his son's hands. He pries the fingers off of the post and they swim to the surface. And when they reach the surface, they take the deepest breaths they have ever taken and experience joy and crying. It takes about five minutes for them to collect themselves. The father asks his son, why were you holding on to the post? And the the three-year-old simply said he was simply waiting for him. 
I hope and pray that we have the same confidence of the thrill to step out in faith and trust that God will help and lead and guide us, even in the scary times. You could also look at the ending of this story, too, in another way where we can look at uh, there are many who need help but are weighed down and underwater, holding on to what they think is strong, but yet they're still drowning. And the darkness and the murkiness keeps them from seeing the surface and the light. They're waiting for a hand to help them up out of the water and to the surface. Are you willing and ready to step out in faith and follow Jesus and become a fisherman or a fisherwoman and be an instrument to bring clarity and hope to a darkened world? We all have the ability to serve. It just take, means taking that first step. And sometimes it can be a scary thing, but when you do something for the first time, even though it may be scary, you step forward. And as you keep doing this over and over and keep trying, don't give up. Suddenly you're going to find that it's not so much scary, but eventually it brings you great joy. So may you come follow Jesus and go forth and be fishers of men and women. God bless you all. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your love, your grace, and redemption. As we move forward, as we talk about mission uh, this month of February, Lord, continue to give us a, a sense of purpose, to, uh, of belonging, and to know that uh, our lives have meaning to follow you and to be faithful to you. Be with our church, Lord. Uh, we're still experiencing many challenges. A number of our, our family are sick in need of your, your physical healing hands. We also pray for those who are struggling financially, for, Lord, those who are emotionally and mentally just exhausted. May you bring them peace, joy, relief. And Lord, for those who are questioning their faith right now, I pray, Lord, make your presence known to remind them that you are God and that you are faithful. Be with them. May we be faithful to you. Help us have a great week. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace, friends. May God bless you. Take care. See you next week. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.